a tug of war, a police constable in a blue uniform and tall helmet approaches us. The boy and I freeze. What's the trouble, Mum? The constable asks. If I say the boy stole my property, the constable will make him give it back. But an ingrained fear of police holds my tongue. My only disastrous brush with them occurred twenty-two years ago when I was a little younger than this boy. Now I see in the boy's eyes a reflection of my fear. The law is no more a street urchin's friend than it was mine. Our gazes meet. It's rare for me to feel such a mutual sense of kinship with anyone. It's rarer still that I put myself out for someone else's sake, but my instinct is to protect a child whose welfare is in my hands. No trouble, sir. I murmur, then let go of the satchel. The constable looks askance at me, a thirty-two-year-old spinster. My figure is thin like a whip under the damp, threadbare grey coat that covers my modest grey frock. He can see that I am low on the scale of prosperity, although better off than many in Whitechapel. My face is too sharply carved for beauty my hazel eyes too deep, and my jaw too square. My best feature, my thick, straight, ash-blonde hair, is pinned up in a coronet of braids under my bonnet. Long tendrils escape the hairpins and whisp around my face no matter how much bandoline I use. That's good, the constable says, because I got enough trouble already. There's been a murder, and this here is a crime scene. As the boy flees with my satchel, I already regret that my fear of the police and a moment's compassion for the thief have cost me so dearly. The constable marches back to the crowd, which contains many other policemen. I'm free to go home, but I linger even though I'm not interested in the murder. Murder is common in Whitechapel. Rather, my fear of the police contains an element of curiosity, of attraction. When I'm afraid, when my heart is pounding, my every nerve alert, and my body tense with the instinct to run, that is when I feel the most alive. I don't know why. I only know that I've always been this way. Life without fear is like a photograph without dark shadows to contrast with the bright objects. Danger adds a pleasurable thrill to my usually quiet, staid existence. When I see the police, it's as if I've come upon a sleeping wolf, and I feel an impulse to poke it and wake it up. Inhibited by caution, yet excited by my own daring, I move toward the police. People in the crowd shift, and I spy a woman lying on her back upon the cobblestones outside the gate of a stable. Her brown frock is raised above her knees, exposing her scuffed boots, her petticoats, and her thick legs in black stockings. I don't immediately see her face. I see only the terrible red gash across her throat. My breath catches, and bile rises in my own throat. My heart thuds, I hear a roaring in my ears. I have seen death before, victims of brawls, accidents, or other murders, but never a death like this. Horrified, I want to turn away but cannot move. 
I stare at the grisly red flesh around the wound, the exposed blood vessels. Blood has pooled between the cobblestones, drenched the woman's clothes. It is her clothes that I recognize first. I saw them in my studio not a month ago, when she took them off to pose for my camera. The black straw bonnet lies near her motionless left hand. My stricken gaze travels to her face. I see the gap between her front teeth, the scar on her forehead, and I can put a name to her. Polly Nichols. My hand flies to my mouth. I hold my breath, praying not to be sick. Through my vertigo, nausea and faintness swims the thought, not again. The constable says, Can anybody here tell me who this woman is? My lips part to answer, then close.